We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you, or maybe you're commuting to work, we are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Laura. I feel like it's been a really long time since we podcasted. Yeah, maybe it has. Yeah, like together. Like we we did an interview this morning, but that was on someone else's podcast, which is really like fun. Our own though. Yeah. How are you? I am uh good. Good. I have new Ugg slippers on and I don't know how I lived a day of my life without them. I have no slippers on. My feet are freezing. Do you want to put on one of my slippers? You can. I feel like then I'll just be half warm and half sweaty. Is that half cold, half sweaty? Welcome to perimenopause. Yeah, sure. Let's try it out. <laughs> oh, so nice. Don't they feel nice. Oh, it's like a foot hug. How are you? Oh, you know, just frazzled and overwhelmed. And, yeah. But no, I feel like we're at the end of it now. I mean, we're still at the beginning, but we're selling our house and it got listed today, but people already went through it. There's currently showings going on right now. There's four showings today. It's insane. I think you should just move in here. Okay. I mean, I basically <laughs> am, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm. How far? I keep telling people five minutes. It's how five far? minutes. I timed five? it the other day. It's five okay. minutes. Yeah. Okay. You're going to live five minutes for me wild okay i'm super excited for today's podcast because we don't have one yet that is strictly only about breastfeeding which is a disservice to our community it really is i'm so pumped for this one to be like the go-to of what you can listen to while you're pregnant or even after you're like day one you're like oh my goodness what have i done what don't i know and this will be like the quick go-to where you're like oh my goodness i can try this yeah a great resource for people so we have our favorite lactation specialists in the city, Sisterly Lactation. We have Pam and Megan with us today, who, I mean, this is maybe disclosure of client's information, but Sarah was Pam's doula and I went to high school with Pam's husband. So there's lots of history there. Very and true. They are sisters and are a dynamic duo like us. It's true. Welcome to the pod. Yay. Thank you. So excited to be here. Thanks for having us. How are you guys today? Well, um, I, Pam, I'm just getting over this cold. So if I sound very nasally, I apologize yet again. It's the children bringing home every single germ that they have. Um, how are you? I'm the usual just living life to the fullest with three children, crazy chaos every day. How do we make it through what happens in the day? Don't know, but it goes. How old are your kids, Megan? Uh, nine, seven, and three. They, the oldest two have summer birthdays. So it'll be 10, eight, and three very soon. Nice. nice. Um, so tell us a bit about your backgrounds and how you came to open this business together. And then tell us a bit about your breastfeeding experiences. So, um, it was 
kind of right after I had my first. So uh, I Pam have uh, two kids. I have a almost five year old and an almost two year old, and it was right after I had um, my son that I. struggled with breastfeeding a little bit and turned to Megan with like support and help. And, um, I just remember calling her one day and saying, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we supporting other women in this passion that we have about breastfeeding and, uh, supporting women? Um, and so we decided to kind of take on this endeavor together. And then, Megan had do you want to kind of jump in there yeah yeah you're 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 a nurse and what's yes. your background Megan I'm a registered massage therapist by trade okay solidarity yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um, yeah, so I'm a registered nurse uh, by trade and I have been a registered nurse for 13 years doing every sort of nursing um, under the sun, working in small rural hospitals to emergency medicine to now cardiology. And so um, I tried the labor and delivery route and quickly found out it wasn't for me in the sense that it didn't really align with my values and kind of where I wanted to be. Um, and so, yeah, when I, after I had... my son we kind of chatted about um kind of doing this thing and like why aren't we doing it and yeah then you had weston Right. So I had my youngest during the pandemic. And of course, that was prime time of nobody being available anywhere. Um, and I also live fairly rurally. So I think that on top of that, I find that I feel I often felt like I was the only one breastfeeding. So not only did I feel alone, but they also was a lot of misinformation. So if you don't know anybody else that's doing it, you don't know what is normal and what's not normal when it comes to um, your breastfeeding journey. So you, you can't, you know, you can't ask somebody else if you don't know anybody else that's going through the same thing that you're going through. So then I guess it was during the pandemic when we did our education at Mohawk for the breastfeeding education there. And then, um, we started it right before the pandemic. Okay, I guess we finished it in the yeah. pandemic. And then, yeah, it's been, been about a year now that we've been, um, we, we really felt like there was so much we could do in our community. And um, we're trying to focus on prenatal, a lot of prenatal education because often people's ex first exposure with infants is their own. So again, if you don't have any other knowledge of babies, like how do you know how much they're supposed to be eating? How do you know when to know they're not getting enough? And, um, you know, the frequent eating and waking is all normal. And so then that's what we're, we're doing a lot of prenatal education. And then, of course, in-home consultations. We started that a year ago. Mm -hmm. So help me um, break down the the training for me a little bit. I feel like there are some people like ourselves who, uh, you know, we can help out with breastfeeding, but we certainly can't call ourselves a lactation consultant. Mm -hmm. um, wh what does it take to be doing what you're doing? I feel like there's a few paths. Yeah, for sure. And there's um, a lot to it, to be honest. Um, and anyone can say that they're a breastfeeding specialist or a lactation specialist. Um, so... 
we have done a uh, hundred hours of breastfeeding education that's tailored to all things breastfeeding. And then um, there are other paths. So you can be an internationally board certified lactation consultant on, or also known as an IBCLC. And that's like kind of the gold standard, which we are currently working towards, um, but it's a long path. And with the need in our community right now, we just kind of felt like we needed to, I think our knowledge is valuable as to where we are right now. Like we have a lot of hands-on, we just haven't written the actual test. So yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have over 100 hours of the education and then 100 hours of mentorship. Um, you need 500 hours of hands-on. So we're within five years. So we're on the path. We're not quite at the IBCLC level yet, but um, yeah. It's on the vision board. We're working towards it. Yeah, on the vision board. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So what, goals. what does someone get from um, working with you? Like, why would someone work with you? Give us the elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so with us, uh, basically our biggest motto is that breastfeeding should not be painful. So if you are experiencing any kind of pain, don't let anyone convince you that that is normal. Seek help right away. It's never too late to seek help, but of course, the earlier, the better. So um, any kind of like pain, nipple trauma, if you're worried about supply issues, if your um, infant is getting enough, maybe you feel like they're feeding too much, too little, we can support all of that. Um, we do combo feeding as well. Like if you're wanting to use formula as well as breast milk, we absolutely support that too. And um, what else? Yeah. So I think we look at you as an individual and not just like a one size fits all person. We take your medical history. We do a detailed medical history as to how does your thyroid affect, affect your milk uh, supply, um, diabetes, all these other health issues that could affect you. And we take that into consideration as well. And then we um, go it, after you've had your baby, we do do in-home consults. So we are helping you feed where you normally are feeding, which is a huge component because a lot of the times when I worked at a health clinic, they would come to me, I would give them this nice luxury chair. They would have no problems, you know, and then they would go home and not be able to replicate that latch. So by doing the consult in your own home, we are helping you feed your infant where you are feeding 90, 95% of the time. Um, and then also we give you a detailed care plan. So everything that we've reviewed uh, during the consult, we then write it in down for you and send it to you. So you have it all there um, and you can refer back to it. And then after we leave, we give a two um, week messaging system as well. So you have us, at your fingertips at all time it's three in the morning you can send us a message hey is this normal this is what's happening can we revise our plan whatever it is you have us there to help um as well you don't have to retain any information of the actual appointment it's all written down and again you can refer to it and ask us anything after i love that that's amazing mm -hmm. i have a question i um, have 800 questions yeah you do i'm gonna get mine in first because it <laughs> chronologically makes sense Okay. So what do you think are like one or two of the most important things prenatally that somebody could learn about feeding their baby? 
Yeah. So um, lots that you can do. Uh, we recommend taking a prenatal course, of course, with the prenatal breastfeeding education, just to, um, again, we talk a lot about normal infant behavior, what to expect. So I think re expectations versus reality is a huge difference in, this, in our society. Um, we emphasize hand expression. So that's a, a huge tool that we think that is underutilized that we should all be knowledgeable about and how to do that, how to practice that, when to practice that, so that you can actually harvest some of your colostrum because a lot of people don't know they're actually producing colostrum, which is your very first milk at 16 weeks. So um, that's very possible. And then once you can see your body making that milk it's just really empowering because of course people's first concern is like is my body making enough milk so if you can express it yourself and see it then you're like okay like yes i actually am producing milk my body does know what it's doing my body can do this um and what else do we what else could they do prenatally i think i think what you touched on there is really important like knowing what's normal what's not normal when to get help when are you okay um and then i do think the more you practice it and visualize how to latch a baby ahead of time i do think makes a difference as well and have your resources mm. set out researched we always say like it's a great tool to have if you don't need it that's fine but then you know where to find it if you do need it and we talk about setting up support too that's a huge um a huge benefit to your breastfeeding success if you have people like tell them how they can help you what you need and um, how important it is breastfeeding is to you and uh, that's probably a big one too I love that you guys do the tech support for two weeks after mm -hmm. I think that's so key I remember when I was having a hard time breastfeeding the twins um my lactation help came over six times and I was able to call her in between and I just always had so many questions every time she came over. So I think that's amazing. Um, mm. Do you do online support? Are you able to help people over Zoom? We're not, that's not our um, first go-to. We, it is available, especially for the prenatal education and any kind of concerns that you may have that wouldn't require us to see a latch. So say um, returning to work, like weaning. Um, traditional solids. solids. Yeah, that's a good one. Or if you have some questions, like just generic questions, that's something we could do over Zoom. But if you were actually like somebody in pain, we kind of, we're not, we want to see that in person still. So you don't want to stick the camera like up to your nipple. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. We're not that tech savvy yet. We want to be eventually, but yeah, it's just you, gotta, like, you got to get there. Cause I feel like there's someone that we send. Um, yeah. Um, Norfolk County. Yeah. And I feel someone. like we overwhelm her because she can do the, the zoom support. So I feel like there's gotta be, I think that she got all the referrals also too, because OHIP covers her though. Oh, fair. Yeah. It wasn't really the zoom. It was the OHIP. Oh, I thought it was the zoom. No. Yeah, tell us your catchment area. Yeah. So IPAM service, um, I'm mainly out of Lucan, but do all surrounding areas. So as far north as like Exeter, Clinton, St. Mary's, Mitchell, kind of all the way down to South London is kind of as far as I go, Mount Bridges, all the way Strathroy. Uh, and then... And then I, Megan, am in Lambton County. So that's kind of everywhere. Uh, 
Sarnia all the way down to like Grand Bend, Forest, Port Franks, Watford, Wyoming. Oh, do we say Strathroy? Um, yeah. Forest, Bedford. Yeah. There's a lot of small towns oh. near Megan that she services. Yeah, she drives probably a lot more than I do. <laughs> Park Hill, Petrolia, those are yeah. big ones too we've had yeah. recently. Yeah. So yeah. Pam, I know that um, I've sent you a few clients and we've like touched base afterwards and tell me, I know sometimes we've chatted about pumping and about nipple shields. So just tell me some of your thoughts off the top of your head. Um, I feel like a lot of people are really into the pumping right now, which is great. Um, I think it has a place. <laughs> I feel like you're like great, but your face is saying, Oh Not my goodness, right. please don't use your pump as much as you're using it. It's just like, I, I think social media has these expectations that you should be having supply and like milk flowing out of your freezer and it's just not realistic. Like there's no need, especially with most of us getting a maternal leave or a parental leave, um, there's really no need for that amount of milk to be stored in your freezer. And it's just one more thing that a lot of moms are worried about that I don't think needs to be a worry, especially like if you're going out on the weekend or I'm all for it. You don't have to plan six months in advance to get that stash up. Yeah. You know, it. you can add a pump session in, a week before and get enough for your baby for you to go and have fun with the girls it doesn't have to be an overwhelming stress the other thing with pumping too is i'd say what 90 i don't know i'm making this number up 95 percent of women are using the wrong phalange size yeah so how do they measure that i was at someone's house the other day and she had the measuring tape out and the flange and we're trying to figure this out and I'm like, you know what? I don't actually really know. <laughs> so we're like trying to read the instructions and I'm measuring the base or the top of her nipple and then trying to measure this thing. And I'm like, I, I don't know, dude. Yeah. So that's a tricky one. So you, um, it's best. So like we have a whole bunch of different flange sizes. So we would come in and like actually, you know, put it on your breast and like your nipple. And then also because not only is it the size of the flange, but it's like the output too. So, you know, a specific size might look like it fits you best, but it actually needs to feel good and produce the most milk outcomes. So, um, but really what you're, what you're doing is measuring the diameter of just your nipple actually and then you want just the nipple to fit in the flange you don't want any areola which is like the darker part around your um nipple going into the flange at all because originally what we what we were basing it on is making pumping similar to breastfeeding as as we know with breastfeeding you need more than the nipple the more breast tissue in the baby's mouth the, the better milk output but with flanges and pumping, it's actually the opposite, where you just want the nipple in the flange. And then you'll be using lubrication, a little bit of lubrication around the flange. So normally you're getting like a size 24, 27, 28 inch diameter flange coming with your pumps. Oh, but yeah. we're finding on average women are like 13, 15. Oh, that's a so, big difference. Okay, so yeah, 17 maybe. These are millimeters, millimeters, right? Not inches. Yes, correct. Wow. So pretty <laughs> tiny. 
Okay, so this is fascinating because I remember when I first heard this years ago about flange sizes being wrong, I thought it was the other way around that like bigger breasts needed these bigger ones. And then I remember hearing, no, the sides of the nipples actually need the stimulation uh, because that's what um, like a baby would do with their mouth. So is that part of it that you're, or is it more like, how is the breast then being compressed and massaged by the pump? I love that we're talking about pumps and we're supposed to be talking about breastfeeding. <laughs> like pumping is breastfeeding right okay. um and so the the pump doesn't actually massage or um do anything we actually recommend that you massage your breasts while yeah. you're pumping because that increases your output as well um but it's more of a suction that it works on versus vacuum. yeah the vacuum that it works on versus the it's a different mechanism than a baby that's also why we say if you're not getting a lot through your pump it's doesn't equal your supply your baby yeah. is way more efficient at removing milk than your pump is yeah. um or vice versa if you're getting a lot from the pump that doesn't mean that your baby also didn't get a lot from you as well so um, yeah, pumping's a whole different thing. I, I was actually doing some education around pumping and they were saying that, um, a cow uses about a 28 to 30, um, millimeter phalange. So if you think of a cow's pit and now we're using the same phalange size, some women are using the same phalange sizes as cow, like that doesn't really make sense. So. No. Wow. I'm not a dairy farmer. I don't know if that's true, but that's what We're they were trying to get a dairy about. farmer on here. We have oh, yeah. it's amazing. No, she just had a baby. We found it. So we have a couple of male farmers that have, we have joked about having them on the podcast, but then we just found a female one who actually went to Medway. Uh, so hopefully once she's a little bit less freshly postpartum, she will come on and talk to us about cow cervixes and yeah, that's cool. Stuff, pretty much. Yeah. I love <laughs> it. So let's imagine someone is like day one and listening to this podcast, hoping for some, you know, 3 a.m. tips on getting their brand new baby latched. What are some cues that you use verbally, um, you know, making a mountain, ba baby belly to belly, uh, bring baby to you? Like, what are some of the things you guys say? You women say. I would say take a deep breath. And relax your shoulders. Mm. First things first, be in a, as calm as you possibly can uh, mindset before you latch. If your baby is losing it, that's okay. Try and calm them or soothe them in other ways. Give them to your partner or rock them skin to skin is another really good one to try and get both you and the baby calm before you latch. Then I would say... Belly to belly, skin to skin, belly to belly. Tummy to mummy. Tummy to mummy, however you want to say it. Um, then I, you want to make sure that the ears, shoulder, hip are all aligned. And then you bring the, or the chin to the breast and the nipple to the nose. Mm -hmm. If you bring the chin to the breast... It elicits the the gaping reflex, so they'll they'll open their um, 
mouth nice and wide. A lot of people think it's the nose tickling or the nipple tickling the nose that opens that mouth, but it's actually the pressure on the chin that will open that. Huh. Um, and, and the, if, yeah, sorry, go ahead. If you start with the the infant's nose at the nipple, then they're forced to have to like look up towards the nipple to get that really large mouthful of breast. So we really, we see a lot of neck crunched in. It's sometimes with like the large poppies and different kinds of feeding pillows. So the more area in between the chin and the chest, like the pecs, like sternum area, the they're better. Because you mean, yeah. Their, their own chest so I'm they, yeah the baby's infant's chest correct yeah you're maybe thinking baby's chin to mother's chest but yeah. you mean between baby chin baby chest correct correct yeah so if you bring the chin to the breast not nose to the nipple chin to the ch to the breast so put the baby chin away from the baby chest <laughs> right yes that's confusing okay so hard not being able to see and describing yes. with I know. Oh, no. And we find people are very timid using pressure. So you can use a lot of pressure, like holding the baby to you. And another big one is holding the base of the skull, like in the infant. So where their neck, like where the head attaches to the neck, you can hold there, but allow for their head. Don't hold the back of the baby's head. But if you're holding at the base of the skull, that allows for them to like move their head up and down as needed and not if you have hand on the back of their head. What are you doing with the bottom baby arm? <laughs> so the best thing is to kind of shove it underneath you. So I always call it Superman so that they're actually supermaning around the breast. Like they're hugging the boob. They're hugging the boob because that stimulates the breast more so they'll start squeezing their arms together if you swaddle them if you think of it like you trying to drink with your hand across your chest or you nice and tight and trying to drink it's a lot harder right so you want their their chest to be open and their arms around your breasts love that and it is frustrating with those little hands but they are used for them to locate like where they are on the chest and so if they like start putting their hand in their mouth like just let that happen but um they're using that to explore where they are so yeah the less swaddling while eating the better mm -hmm. i love that you said don't put your hand on the back of the head i feel like that's a classic nurse move is to grab oh. the boob and grab the back of the baby's head and jam the baby on the next time i see a nurse do that i'm gonna go hold the back of her head and see how she likes yeah, it like yeah like i likes it in our prenatal class i always do the solar <laughs> yeah oh, i hate this it's coming but i always put my hand on the back of laura's head and i'm like you know it's when you push worst. on their head they go in nose first this whereas... is so offside it's like somebody trying to force you to give a blow job so wrong like i'm sorry but it's very similar but if you put your hand on the back of their neck or their back of their shoulders then they can just like uh sigh into it and their chin goes into the breast so much better a lot of moms find that very intimidating because they're not they feel like you should be holding their head you know we have so much um anxiety around letting their head flop and bump back and stuff but 
just holding the nape of the neck is enough support for them and all they really need it. You know, it's like you said, Sarah, if you're holding the head and shoving the head in, that's causing the baby's chin to go to the baby's chest, which is exactly what we don't want. Right. And they're often their reflexes to like fight against you as well. So like then just all of the, yeah, that's not on board. No. So we often, you know, have medical birth trauma and people have NICU stays and they have babies early and they have um, some bottle feeding. What's some good news that you can share with moms who think that all is lost and that they'll never breastfeed their baby? What are some things that you have seen where you've had moms be able to breastfeed weeks, months later? Oh yeah. Like it is completely possible. Nothing is lost. You know, milk supply takes a few days to increase, but also to decrease. Like, you know, for example, my son is three feeds only a couple times at night and I still have supply. So, um, really we want to, so, I mean, pumping has a huge, uh, positive impact in those kinds of situations, but, um, you want to make sure the method that you're feeding the bottle is aligned. So paste bottle feeding is, um, a huge, uh, method that we would use to feed the baby. It's just more appropriate of how they would normally feed, uh, just a slower way. And they're kind of more in control. So definitely do your research with that. But, um, yeah, no, we've seen, you know, so much like those moms with those little tiny infants, like there's nothing like them. Like they are just warriors and it is all, it is possible. And it's normal, especially if they're born premature, like their suck can be very immature as well. So it will take time for them to kind of get that suck, swallow, breathe pattern down pat. And it's completely normal. It's like um, Megan was saying, like, pace bottle feeding is huge with them and like this is a time that I would really recommend soothers trying soothers trying to really let them practice that sucking and then I would also look into how much you should be feeding them I think a lot of times bottle fed and premature babies are overfed and that makes it harder to transition back to the breast uh, you know, they come in with these pre-made formula bottles and they're expecting your infant to finish the whole thing. Well, that's a lot for your little infant to feed, especially within the first 24, 48 hours. Um, so just know like what is normal amount that they should be taking within 24, 48, one week. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Hmm. What else you got? Uh, nipple shields. I remember Pam, we oh, asked yes. about, um, you said you thought they were, there's a time and a place for them, but they're overused. Uh-oh. Oh, you froze for a second. You're back. I know. Oh, yeah. Are we back? Can yep. you hear us? Okay. okay. Yeah, like, uh, I'm, uh, I think nipple shields are a tool in our tool belt. I think they're, like uh, Sarah said, I think there's a time and a place for them. I think in the, especially in the hospital, we see everyone going home with them. You know, if you're having pain or if you're having any issues, they just, okay, well, here's a nipple shield. Nipple shields don't come, like they come with their own 
set of problems as well, especially if it's a first-time mom trying to stimulate her breast to increase her milk supply. Um, there's not the same stimulation at the breast as if you had just a mouth on the breast. So I think it's something to be cognizant of. I recommended a nipple shield last week to a mom who, um, you know, we're working out some other issues to try and figure out why she's having pain. Nipple shields are a great tool. I think it's A, important that you're getting sized for the right nipple shield. And B, um, you're working out some problem as to why you're needing that nipple shield. And let's see if we can get you off of it. You should never be just throwing a nipple shield and saying good luck. There needs to be a plan in place as to why you're using the nipple shield. And how can we work through your issues as to why you're using it. Um, to, to wean off the nipple shield. Exactly. Um, because we know with nipple shields, it's not stimulating the breast enough. So are, is their intake uh, lower than it should be? Um, and so like they should be getting weekly weights or even daily weights to see if they're still gaining. There, there's a lot more to just throw in a nipple shield on an issue. And you shouldn't need to put it on your baby registry. Like everybody does not need a nipple shield. It's a good tool for us to use if you need it, but not, you do not need to put that on the baby registry. Yeah. So in your opinion, why do you, why are people having such a hard time with breastfeeding? We hear that it's this, you know, new skill, it's a normal thing or it's natural, it should work. Why is it such a huge learning curve? Why is it so hard? I think there's a ton you know, of different reasons, of course, being touched on before, it's just like, we're not seeing it anymore. Right. So like, it's not something we're learning. And so we're having our own and nobody's teaching us. We don't have anybody to, to go to anymore. Like I didn't see my, you know, my aunts or cousins or moms or whatever breastfeed too. So I think if it's something you're surrounded by all the time and learning that or, or had a problem solve, then, um, that would be a lot easier. And then also just, we're trying to do a lot of like bent over feeding and not as much of this you know you might hear it now this um laid back positioning so like we're trying to do a lot for the baby when really they are so intuitive and like they can just do a lot of things naturally and we have such high anxiety around um what we should be be doing for them when they can do so much so yeah i think the other component too is like we were meant to do this in a village setting like we weren't meant to do this on our own and breastfeeding's a lot it's a lot to do um and if you look at previous you know cultures that's all the mother would do is breastfeed their baby but now we're still tending to the house and doing laundry and taking care of our you know other children and doing all of this other stuff that it's just it's just, it doesn't come as naturally. And the other part too is like, what is normal? You know, people are expecting to feed their infant and then they're going to sleep for eight hours. Well, that's just not realistic. Yeah. You know, my favorite, so my favorite post on the London Facebook mom to mom group is my baby is three weeks old and I can't put it down. It wants to eat and me to hold it constantly. What can I do? Like, yeah. do that. Who, who told yeah. you that a baby was going to do anything other than that? Yeah. yeah. It sounds all of it sounds normal. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you're yeah. a normal baby. Congratulations. We run 
we run into that a lot a where lot. we're doing just um a lot of it like we say the education part of it and that prob problem that you're the challenge you're experiencing isn't really a problem it's just you have a baby and so yeah. you know babies cry and babies want to be held and maybe that's how they express themselves and um yeah unfortunately it's just again that whole expectation versus reality I think there's a big piece too of social media and this like need to get back into our old outfits and have our hair and makeup done and be like out for a beautiful stroller walk in a dress and nobody's showing them breastfeeding in the night all night that content is not on social media so there is this weird expectation of like when do I get my baby on a routine when is this predictable and when do I like get back to my regular life and again, that's so hard because, you know, a lot of these people have to go back to work. So like, how are we telling them, you know, you, you're still supposed to feed them all night and then, you know, do all the other things and go back to work. And yeah, it's hard. It's, hard. it's just, yeah. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the other component too, is like, we're expecting them to sleep independently where like they're meant to sleep with us we're the only other mammal that expects them to sleep in another area like it's just yeah there's just it's it's a multi-layered question that I can't solve it all yeah no I love what you said though that makes so much sense that the, the piece around not seeing other people feed my sister-in-law was remembering me feeding the twins and she did get to see that in the first week and she remembers me crying and wondering if the babies were getting more tears than milk and trying to latch them and just gritting my teeth and yeah that's not something that everybody the, gets to that see everyone would see yeah. not at all I wanted to ask you about the golden hour and about the is it the Thompson method where you you have three hours of skin to skin um, talk to us about why that's so important for establishing the breastfeeding relationship. Mm -hmm. And what do you do if you don't have that mm -hmm. skin to skin right away after a traumatic birth? And what does it look like to go back and replay that to try and reset that experience? Yeah, this is something that we talk about quite a bit, like the golden hour. Um, and it is vital to breastfeeding, but with our birthing system the way that it is a lot of parents miss out on that so I think um so the golden hour is that first hour after birth where the baby should be skin to skin with ideally the mother um and um just allowing the baby to explore the breasts and naturally as much as possible latch on even if they're probably not even getting much but just kind of um starting to figure out that suck swallow breathe um pattern and so this is typically when you just let the mother and the baby do their thing you know we don't have to rush and weigh them and scrub them and put the hat on them and do all those things um but a lot of mothers, unfortunately, miss out on this golden hour. It's not all hope is lost, especially if they're whisked away to a different area. If the partner can go with them, I think that's huge. And if even if they can do the skin to skin with the baby, that that's a huge um, thing that can help even with the breastfeeding. 
Uh, and we constantly are talking about how the benefits of skin to skin are great in that first hour after birth, but they continue to hold so much, you know, weight in benefits every day and hour after that too. So, you know, if you didn't get that hour, that first hour, you can, it's so important and it has so many benefits any other time that you are able to do skin to skin, just it helps with, um, again, the bonding and the regulating of the temperature and the regulating of the breathing. I don't know if this is true, but I had heard, and maybe you would know with the twins, but apparently if you had twins and had one baby on each breast, your breast would actually be a different temperature on each side. Oh, why would they be different temperature? Just to to regulate for each different baby. Oh, I see. So my one twin um, immediately went to the NICU and the other one was on my chest. Um, And I feel like I had a harder time. Like one had like a pinchier latch than the other one. Um, But I had a difficult time with both of them. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, let's say you're going to see someone on like day three or day four at home and you come over and, you know, they're a basket of tears and things are going terribly, would you have them stripped down so that they're skin to skin and have them lay down and do like the breast crawl to start? Or would you start right into like an upright seated breastfeeding position? Or what are some of your favorite ways to start and favorite positions? What are your person is so different every of course like you know every body size is different every shape is different every um size of the breast every location of the nipple is different so it all really depends and it depends on kind of what's going on with that client per se when we get there sometimes we're um everything's calm and cool and we're doing like a health history and we go through that first but um but absolutely that would be something that we would uh recommend just getting always calming the baby first. So of course doing, um, some of that skin to skin and laid back some of our favorite positionings. Um, we, yeah, we do a lot of, uh, kind of like the, I don't know, do we want to go into like techniques and stuff or like the flipple where we, where we're holding the, the breast kind of like underneath the breast in like a C like in a U shape, sorry, like underneath the breast instead of a C shape on the side. So we we're trying to teach a lot about, um, aligning your hands on the breast kind of in the same shape as the baby's mouth would be opening and closing because we're finding that sometimes we're not thinking about the way we're compressing our breasts and we're actually doing it in the opposite direction of the baby's mouth opening and closing so if you were if you're compressing your breasts in a certain direction that might actually be feeding your baby a taco (laughs) So your breast tissue would be aligned kind of up and down instead of like a hamburger side to side. So hard to visualize on a podcast, but you want to be cognizant of kind of where your hands are on the breast and the anatomy of the way that the baby's mouth opens and closes. And that would change depending on what position the baby is in even. Got it. Exactly. So the U cup would work for a cross cradle. Exactly. Or even a football hole it could work for that too if they're um if they've had a c-section or if they've had larger breasts we 
I, I have found that the football position seems, or had twins even, the football seems to be the best position. Um, a lot of moms are most comfortable in a, like a cross cradle, so across the body um, position. That one's really popular. Um, I've had a lot of luck with like the koala or more the upright and then the laid back position. Uh, so it really all depends too. I think too, a lot of um like if we want to go into like tongue ties and that um how much time we have at 215 that's risky (laughs) yeah yeah well i just wanted to say like a lot of times we go over to their house and they're like frantic like oh do they have a lip tie do they have a tongue tie and we're like okay let's take a time out you know we are we always look in the mouth and assess the mouth but um that's not always our first thing that we like to like do is just go and release a tongue tie or tongue or lip tie. Let's work on the baby. Like, especially if it's only day two, three, four, five, when your, your milk hasn't even trans. I'm back, Pam. You're frozen again. Like, let's see how, let's do body work. Let's do all these other things before we are going to release the tongue. I just think there's so much, again, probably in social media, people are talking about tongue ties, lip ties, and there, yes, a hundred percent. We agree with, there are tongue ties and lip ties. Um, We are not one of those people that thinks it's a fad, but there's a time and a place and let's not just go right to the first provider that's going to release it, you know, on within 24 hours. We can't forget it's a learned skill. So, you know, the more we practice, like the more the baby's learning, the more that we're learning. So um, there's definitely things that we can do. And anytime you can add a laid back to a position, you're going to be more comfortable. And then the baby, because the gravity is kind of leaning them towards your body, they're going to be able just to get more breast tissue in their mouth going that way too. I think one of the best parts about you guys is that now we're seeing like our clients are hiring. Oh, oh no, do we? We get okay. Fro- yeah, we got frozen. What is going on with the internet today? It's so weird. Our I definitely think it's us. We're rural. Oh, well, so am I. So we're just you making made- you repeat how great we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the most amazing things about you guys is that like our communication with you, I think is really good. Like we've been able to talk about clients that we share or even learn from each other and talking about clients that we're supporting separately and Oh, you guys are so frozen again. But okay. Podcast I know. Recording, so just pretend you can hear me. It's fine. Okay. You can listen to the podcast. <laughs> and then also regarding tongue ties, like I know <laughs> you and I have talked about uh, Dr. Jamie Liu and how you will speak to her about clients as well. So I think there's this really cool congruent relationship where everybody's talking to help support the clients better with the communication behind the scenes even. I wanted to ask you, um, why are you in this work? Like, what are you both passionate about? Hmm. Oh, uh, so when, um, when we started, you know, of course, like we come from feeders, so that certainly helps pique our interest. And then we, um, we were doing some research. And so 89% of women or mothers like initiate breastfeeding. And then at six months, 33% of women are exclusively breastfeeding. So we're like, there is a problem here. Like what is happening between what 
started it for us. We're like, we, if, if people want to breastfeed, we want to be those people that are going to help you. If you don't, you know, we're not pressuring you into it, but if you need support, we want to be that for you. Yeah. I think like, I, I just thrive on helping women. Like I just love when women are able to feed the their babies the way that they want to feed the babies like whether that be combo feeding whether or not that be formula and and kind of just sharing our knowledge about what is um what they want to know you know there's nothing like supporting another woman in my mind for sure was what did I say the other day it's it takes a village to raise a mother so I think that we're kind of trying to really do that empower other mothers and again tell them not tell them but like what's normal and like what we can expect and let's try to change the narrative mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. could have a billboard what would mm. it be? i just used it right there that was my, that was my that was <laughs> my mother, yeah mother mother um i don't it's i think support is best yeah is, is our huge there's, one you know there's a lot of um you know like fat is best or breast is best and like if that's all garbage to me like what I would say is support is best let's take the shame out of it and let's give every single family every single mother every single woman the support that they deserve they need when they're becoming a mother themselves absolutely where can we find you ah so you can find us on Instagram. We are uh, at Sisterly Lactation. Uh, we have a website, www.sisterlylactation.ca. Uh, you can find us in Lucan or in Forest. We have um, a workshop coming up. Oh, let me look at the dates. I know, yeah, we have. Some prenatal okay. breastfeeding workshops. And we promise, even if you're not 100% sure you want to breastfeed, we will teach you lots of good stuff. Um, so we have a workshop coming up June 3rd and July 27th in Lucan, and then June 7th in Forest, and June or July 12th in Sarnia. Awesome. Amazing. So awesome to have you guys here today. Thank you for sharing so much valuable information so quickly. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I think that'll be, tidbits. yeah, really tidbits. good resource. Tidbits. This is a podcast full of timbits. <laughs> we wish. Full of timbits. And we, <laughs> we're so thankful for your support. We've yeah. always felt it since day one. And uh, we're really grateful to have you on, yeah. your, te- on our team. Uh, our well, community is so lucky to have you guys yes, too. Amen. Yes. Honestly, it feels really great to confidently be able to send people to you guys and to hear the feedback from them. So it goes both ways. We love you. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks All for right. Bye. 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 We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.